we are kind of right in the middle of a series called Who I'll Be in 2023. And we know what year it is, but we're looking forward to the future. And we understand that how we live and the decisions that we make and the things that we do this year are the indicators and the things that will make us who we are this time next year. That it's not about just changing our mindset and changing our goals right now and immediate change, but that as we begin to make changes, as we begin to take steps, that those things will shape us into the kind of person that we will become. And honestly, today I'm speaking a message that I was not planning on speaking this weekend. I had other plans, but how many of you have ever had a week that kind of changes your plans? Things don't go exactly as you had hoped. And as we kind of look forward over this next year, we're actually about a year away from my favorite time of year, which is Christmas time. And I love Christmas because I love traditions. I love things that you only do like at a certain time of year with a certain group of people, things that bring back the memories of a certain time of year. And we have a lot of traditions around Christmas in our house. We do a lot of things. We listen to a lot of things that we only listen to at Christmas. We watch a lot of things that we only watch at Christmas. One of the traditions that Kristen and I have in our house is on Christmas Eve night, every Christmas Eve without fail, while we are wrapping presents, while we are preparing for the next day that is ahead of us, we watch the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I love the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. We watch it every single Christmas Eve, and really, it's just kind of the soundtrack of our Christmas Eve. It's not that we sit down and watch it. It's as we wrap, as we prepare, as we assemble toys, we have that movie on. So to me, it does not feel like Christmas Eve until I see that big bell ringing at the beginning of It's a Wonderful Life. And the beginning of that movie has one of my favorite lines in a movie of all time. If you're unfamiliar with the movie, it follows the story of a man named George Bailey who is kind of in the middle of his life and he's disappointed with where he's at in life. His life is not unfolding the way he expected it to unfold. George Bailey thought that he would be someone who traveled the world as an explorer, and he finds himself in the middle of his life, and he's never left his hometown. He thought that he was going to be a world-renowned architect, and he finds himself taking over for his father's small-town business. His life does not look how he expected it to look. And it's come to a point in the movie where his business is really in trouble because of some mistakes that were not his own, but he thinks this is it. He's contemplating taking his own life. And so the opening scenes of the movie are people from his town just praying for George Bailey. God, please be with George Bailey. Please touch George Bailey. And then we see this conversation between these two angels in heaven, one who is about to be sent to help George Bailey and one who is sending the angel who is about to be sent. And the one who is about to be sent says there's a lot of prayers coming in for George Bailey tonight. He must be sick. And the angel who's kind of over the angel said, no, it's much worse than that. He's discouraged. He's discouraged. How many of you know that discouragement is a serious condition? Discouragement is a serious condition that we don't always take seriously. And if I'm just being honest with you, this week I found myself very discouraged. Have you ever had a week where your circumstances had you discouraged? 
I, I don't know, some of you are aware, some of you are not aware, but early last week, my wife and I left on a trip to Guatemala. We take a trip there every January with a group of students from a school in West Palm Beach. We go over, we build, in two days, we build eight houses in this, uh, in this really poor community in Guatemala. We provide food for the families. We do a lot of great things while we are in the community. It's something that we've done every single year. We set out as we always did last week for a four-day trip that ended up to be an 11-day trip because on day two, my wife Kristen tested positive for COVID-19. She's fine. She is quarantined. She has tested negative. Everything was fine. But day after day, we found ourselves unable to return. And I don't know if you've ever packed for a four-day trip, but you pack very differently for a four-day trip than you pack for an 11-day trip. So by like day six, we are completely out of everything we need to function in any kind of capacity that feels good. We're wearing dirty clothes, we're out of snacks, we're not eating that well, we're not where we are supposed to be, and we are discouraged. But they keep telling us to be encouraged because the moment her quarantine ends and she tests negative, we can leave on the first flight out. And so as that quarantine comes to a close, we check, and every day there are flights out. Every day it's, hey, we'll test at 8 a.m. The moment she's negative, you'll fly out at 2 p.m. Until the day that she tested negative at the end of her quarantine, when the 2 p.m. flight was full. There were no seats on the flight. So we have to wait until Saturday. And Saturday, she finally gets on a flight. She flies home. She gets into Miami. She says, I'm going to rent a car and drive from Miami. She goes to rent a car. She cannot rent a car. There, there, there is a, a situation in the car where she cannot rent a car every step of the way. By the time she actually got in the rental car, we were both betting on a flat tire. It was just one of those weeks where if it could go wrong, it did go wrong, and we were extremely discouraged. And it's funny because sometimes you find yourself where you're supposed to be, doing what you're supposed to be doing, and yet you're still discouraged. And all throughout this trip, I kept having this very conversation with God of like, we are on a missions trip. This is for you. We did this for you. And here we are, stranded and discouraged. And I was reminded of this moment in Scripture with the children of Israel where they are in this kind of situation. They are stranded. They are, they are doing what God has called them to do. They are following what God has called them to do. They are the children of Israel. They are God's chosen people, and yet they are discouraged. In fact, if you pick it up in Numbers chapter 21, verses 1 through 5, it says, The king of Arad... The Canaanite who dwelt in the south heard that Israel was coming on the road to Erethirim. Then he fought against Israel and took some of them prisoners. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and they utterly destroyed them in their cities. So the name of that place was called Hormah. Then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Now I relate to a few verses of that very particularly right now because at times when we were quarantined in Guatemala, there was little food, little water, and what food there was, we loathed. And this is where the Israelites are in this moment. But what I want you to notice is that the Bible is very clear that God heard 
and answered their prayers and they experienced victory. And yet it said their soul was greatly, greatly discouraged on the way. They were experiencing victory. They were in the right place. They were doing the right thing, but they were still discouraged on the way. Has anybody ever been discouraged with the way the season of life you are in is unfolding? Has anybody ever been discouraged with the way that you are currently walking on? See, I think discouragement is dangerous because we don't take it seriously. Discouragement is dangerous because it's not just something that takes up residence in our emotions. It's not just something that takes up residence in our thoughts. It says that their souls were discouraged. Discouragement is a soul level experience. Discouragement is a deep experience. When you experience discouragement, you tend to lose your vision and your hope for the future of your life. You tend to lose your enthusiasm. You tend to lose your passion and your purpose and your motivation. Discouragement, it paralyzes and it isolates. I don't know about you, but when I'm discouraged, I don't want to do anything and I don't want to see anyone. I don't want to do anything and I don't want to see anyone. It, it paralyzes and it isolates. And that's why I want us to make this declaration. If you've been around for this series, you know that we talked about at the beginning of the year, you can make goals, but, but we also want to make some declarations about what life will look like a year from now. Some things that if God doesn't intervene, I cannot do it on my own. I can set a goal and I can complete the goal. I can take the steps necessary to complete the goal. But these are declarations to say that this can only happen if God steps in. And we want to make this declaration today that in 2023, I am going to be done with discouragement. In 2023, I'm going to be done in discouragement. I'm going to live a life of such encouragement and passion and vision over the next year that a year from now, I can say I have been done with discouragement. I think that often discouragement comes in many different forms. It comes for many different reasons. It comes because of many different experiences, but I think there is some common threads in discouragement. And I think so often discouragement comes when we forget that life is seasonal. Discouragement comes when we forget that life is seasonal. The Bible says that as long as the earth exists, there will be seed, time, and harvest. That as long as the earth exists, there will be seed, time, and harvest. In other words, as long as the earth exists, there will be seasons. Galatians 6, 9 says, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. See, when we are discouraged, we think that our current situation is our permanent situation. We think that right now is how it is always going to be. The way that it is right now is how it's always going to be. See, what happens when we get discouraged is that we are often expecting fruit in seed time. We're expecting fruit out of season. We try to force fruit in the wrong season, and the result is discouragement. And that's why if you find yourself discouraged, one of the key remedies for discouragement is discernment. It's discernment is often a remedy for discouragement because if you can discern the season you are in, you will not be discouraged by the lack of harvest you're experiencing. You won't be discouraged by the lack of harvest. A farmer does not plant seed, go to sleep, and wake up the next day discouraged that there is no harvest. 
He, he does not go to sleep and, and he does not plant seed. He does not wait a day and then find himself discouraged when there's not a plant the next morning. And yet that is exactly what we do. A farmer understands that you plant a seed and then there is time and then there is harvest. But we tend to not understand that. This is why gym memberships peak in January and tank in February. Because everybody gets to the beginning of the year and they're so excited about resetting their health. They're panicked about how quickly beach season is approaching and how they look at when they look at themselves in the mirror. They say, I gotta do something about this. So they get a gym membership and they work out for like a week or two. And then they get that charge in February and they're like, I'm not even doing this anymore. It's been one month. I'm gonna cancel my gym membership because they don't realize that, that life is seasonal, that there is seed and then there is time and then there is harvest. That, that, that the harvest is not immediate. See, it's usually that time part that gets us. It's that time part where discouragement will set in. Because honestly, the, the seeding part is kind of fun. The seeding part is kind of enjoyable. You, you know the potential. You're putting something in the ground. You're investing in your future. And the harvest is fun because you are reaping the benefit of what you put in the ground. But the time period feels like nothing is happening at all. I don't know if you did this when you were a kid, but I remember when I was in like third or fourth grade and we, in class, we decorated like styrofoam cups to look like faces. And then they put soil in it. And then we planted grass seed. And the teacher was like, this grass is going to grow and be the hair on the thing that you just created. So it's going to look like a face with hair. And I took that thing home, and I was so excited, and I put a little water in it. I put it in our kitchen windowsill, and I checked it every day. I checked it every day. A week goes by, there's nothing. Eight, nine days goes by, there's nothing. We're two weeks in, and I'm starting to see like a little bit of a buzz cut, but it's not even above the rim of the cup, so it still doesn't look like the thing has hair it takes weeks and weeks of time for something to grow. And it's in that in-between time season where we tend to get discouraged, where we tend to get discouraged. And here's what I want to say to you today is that you might not be discouraged right now, and that is great. But if you are not discouraged right now, I encourage you today, take note, write down, remember these things because the day will come when you are discouraged. The day will come where your circumstances, where the time, where the season that you are in has you discouraged. And here's what you need to realize is that discouragement does not just affect one area of your life. Discouragement is literally an experience that affects all of your senses. Discouragement will affect what you see. Discouragement will affect what you see. There's this moment in scripture with this same group of people that we began talking about, the children of Israel. And God has told them that he has given them the promised land, that all they have to do is walk in and take the land that he has given them. But what they decide to do is they decide to send some spies into the land to kind of feel out if what God has said is actually true which we all tend to do in one way or another. Like, even if God has spoken clearly into our lives about the steps that we need to take, we would prefer to feel it out for ourselves first. We would prefer to see if what God has actually said is actually true. So they send some spies into the region. And this is a land that God has told them they will inherit. God has told them that they will take this land. They have him at his word. But they send these spies, and when the spies come back, the majority of these spies do not feel good about the situation because there were giants in the land. 
There were things that scared them in the land, but one spy stands up, Caleb stands up, and he says, listen, God has told us we can take this land, we can take this land. But, but, but he's overwhelmed by the crowd in Numbers 13, verse 31. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. How could they possibly know that? They were interpreting the way they thought they looked to their enemy based on the way they saw themselves. They were discouraged by the circumstances that they saw. And when you are discouraged, you view yourself as inferior and you assume others do too. You assume others do too. They, they said, this is how we know we looked. And so that must be how we looked for them. See, they believed they were too small to do what God had already told them they could do. He had already told them they could take the land. He had already told them they would have the, the victory. They had already told them he could overtake any of the enemies that they would encounter along the way. But they chose to see themselves as too small. And you have to be careful about the way that you see yourself in a season of discouragement. You have to be careful about the way you see yourself because you sit, tend to see yourself as inferior. They became discouraged in their pursuit when they compared themselves to their enemy instead of their God. They compared themselves to their enemy instead of their God. See, when you get discouraged by the problem you're facing, what you're actually doing is reducing God down to smaller than the problem that you're facing. See, God is bigger than any problem that you could ever face, but when you choose to allow yourself to be discouraged by a problem, you are believing that he is smaller than that problem you are facing. You are believing that what he has said is not true, but God is bigger than whatever problem you are facing. But discouragement will skew your vision. Discouragement will cause you to see things differently than they are. How many of you have ever been discouraged and you found yourself seeing a situation completely out of context? You found yourself reading into a situation. You found yourself assuming you know what other people think about you in a situation. That's what discouragement does. It isolates you and it causes you to see things differently. Discouragement, discouragement also affects what you say. It affects what you see, and it affects what you say. Numbers 21.5, right on the heels of this moment where it said their souls were deeply discouraged. It says that when their souls were discouraged, the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. Have you noticed that when you get discouraged, your words kind of turn to murmuring. Your words turn negative, whining, self-loathing, self-pitying. It always shows up in your speech. It always shows up in what you're saying. And this is where I even found myself some last week is, is as I find myself complaining about the situation we're in. I, I find myself not expecting the best of the situation that we're in. 
And how many of you know when you're in that moment, you really just want to find people that are going to join you in that moment? Like when you're discouraged and you're murmuring and you're complaining, you don't really want the person that's going to encourage you. You don't really want the person that's going to tell you you're wrong. You want the person who's going to join you in your misery. They are the ones that feel like the true friends in that moment. Yes, just reinforce my misery, please. Speak negatively, please. It always shows up in the way that you speak. So it shows up in what you see. It shows up in what you say. And it shows up in what you hear. You are filtering everything through the filter of discouragement. In Exodus 6, verses 6 through 9, God says again to the children of Israel, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And I will bring you to the land I swore with uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. Now that's what he says to the children of Israel who are currently in bondage. They're in slavery. They're in slavery in a land that is not their own. And God is saying, I'm not only going to remove you from slavery, but I'm going to give you a land that is your own. Through Moses, he is giving the children of Israel who are enslaved very good news. And look at their response. It says, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him because of their discouragement and harsh labor. They did not listen to him because of their discouragement. See, when you are discouraged, suddenly you become hard of hearing good news. Suddenly you don't want to accept good news. You have settled into the fact that this is your season, this is your plight, this is your lot in life, and so you become deaf to what it is that God is trying to speak to you. See, so often in our lives, God is trying to speak, but we are not listening. So often in our discouragement, God is trying to speak, but we have allowed ourselves to become deaf by discouragement. We have allowed ourselves to become deaf to the good news that God is trying to speak because of our situation. And I just wonder this morning if there's anybody in this room who is discouraged or who has been discouraged and is in a place where they feel like, I'm not hearing God. Can I just encourage you today that the odds are that God is speaking, but you are not listening. The odds are that your discouragement is louder than the encouragement that is coming from God. That you need to open your ears and hear the word of the Lord and do not allow your discouragement to make you deaf. See, it affects what you see, it affects what you say, it affects what you hear. And then this is where discouragement gets really, really dangerous. Because so far, so many of these things are isolated. It's kind of our own experience. We're, we're seeing things through the lens of discouragement. We're hearing things through the lens of discouragement. We're speaking things uh, from a place of discouragement. But then what happens is that discouragement will begin to affect what you believe. It begins to affect what you believe. There's this moment in Scripture where John the Baptist is, is preaching out in the wilderness 
And if you know who John the Baptist is, he is kind of this character who is preparing the way for the Messiah. And he's out in the wilderness, and he's preparing the way for the Messiah. He's saying the Messiah is going to be coming soon. And in John chapter 1, verse 29 through 32, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So in this moment, John recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. He recognizes Jesus as the Messiah and he sees him as the Messiah. He hears the voice of God confirming that he is the Messiah and then he speaks that this is the Messiah. John is confirming that he has seen, that he has heard, and now he is saying, this is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. But then, amazingly, a few months later, we catch up with John in the book of Matthew, and his life looks very different. So John was out in the wilderness, preparing the way for Jesus, calling the way for the Messiah. He's confirmed that Jesus is the Messiah, but but in this month period in between, this this seed time, this this time between the seed and the harvest, John has been put in prison. And he's been in, in this dirty prison for months. And his disciples will come and go and visit him. And in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, chapter 11 tells us that John tells two of his disciples to go and find Jesus. He says, go and find Jesus and ask him this question. Ask him, are you the one we've been waiting for? Or should we wait for another? Now, this makes no sense. Months earlier, John saw Jesus, baptized Jesus. As he's baptizing Jesus, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit speaks and confirms that Jesus is the Messiah. John baptizes Jesus. He sees him. He hears that he is the Messiah. He testifies and he speaks that he is the Messiah. But then there is this wait. There is this moment between the seed and the harvest. And we see John sending two of his disciples to say, are you the one? What do you mean, am I the one? You are the one who said, I am the one. What has happened in this in-between time? See, John has become discouraged and he's beginning to question what he believed. He's beginning to question what he once knew was true. See, when you are discouraged, it affects what you see, it affects what you hear, it affects what you say to the point that you begin to question what you've seen, you begin to question what you've heard, and you begin to question even what you have said about what you believe. And this is why, uh, this is why discouragement is so dangerous. See, there will be circumstances in your life that will make you question what you have seen. There will be circumstances in your life that will make you question what you have heard. There will be circumstances in your life that will make you question what you have said. 
And this is why it's so important. I mean, when you look at this moment of John, how could he forget? How could he forget a moment where it says the heavens opened and the voice of God spoke that Jesus was the Messiah? How could you forget? But it's amazing the things that we forget and the things that we remember, isn't it? I mean, I have an incredible memory for the most meaningless things in the world. My wife gets annoyed with me because we will watch a movie or a TV show that I haven't seen in 10 years, and I will quote the lines before they say them. Something about my mind remembers TV and movie dialogue and song lyrics. No problem. We used to lead worship and we might be asked to do a new song and I would just listen to the song once or twice and I would have it down and Kristen would be furious because I just had this memory for the most meaningless things. But at the same time, I will get in my car and drive with intention to the grocery store. I will walk in the door and I will stand there and wonder why in the world did I come here? What did I come here for? And then once I finally do remember, or I text Kristen and she reminds me why I went, I'll walk out to the parking lot and I'll stand and I'll look at the sea of cars, clueless to where my vehicle is. No idea. We went to the airport last week to go on the trip that was supposed to be four days. And when we parked, I did what I always do when we fly. I took out my phone and I took a picture of where we were parked and the sign that said level one row K. So that when we got back, I could find my way back. See, because when it comes to things that we are supposed to remember, we don't just accept that we have a bad memory. I don't just go to the grocery store and hope for the best. Now I make a list. I don't just park my car and hope that I'll be able to find it. I take a picture. I put systems in place to remember the things that I need to remember so that I can find my way back to them. And, and we need to spiritually put systems in place to remember the things that God has done for us so that when we are discouraged and we are questioning the things we've seen, we're questioning the things we've heard, we're questioning the things we've said, that we can find our way back to the truth, that we can find our way back to where we were supposed to be. See, remembering is the key to getting ourselves out of discouragement remembering is the key because see if discouragement wants to keep you in this moment then the key is to look back towards past moments where you know that God has been faithful and to bring believe the same about the future moments that you're stepping into see when you are discouraged the enemy wants to keep you in this moment the enemy wants to make you think that this moment is how the rest of the moments of your life will be that this temporary moment is now your permanent status but you have got to remember the places that God has brought you out, the things that God has said, the things that God has done in order to get out of discouragement. My last verse, see Psalm 77, a worship leader by the name of Asaph writes from a place of discouragement. And he says, I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days years ago. I remembered my songs in the night, my heart meditations, and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, to this I will appeal 
to this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles long ago. I will consider all the works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses. Though your footprints were not seen, you were there. In other words, he's saying, listen, though I did not see the evidence of you in the moment, now that I look back, I know you were with me. Now that I look back, I know that you walked with me. I did not see your footprints beside me at the time, but now I know the fact that I made it through is only because you were with me. The fact that I made it through is only because what you spoke is true. The fact that I made it through is only because what I believe is true. And I may be discouraged right now. I may feel like God's faithfulness and his promise has failed right now, but this is what I will appeal to. I will appeal to what I know you have done. I will remember. And some of us in this place today, we need to remember what God has done. We need to remember what God has done as we sit in discouragement and it tries to narrow our focus. We need to remember his faithfulness. We need to remember that he has never failed us yet, that he has walked with us every step of the way. All across this room, stand with me this morning. 